Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to the Patriot Nation Podcast. All right, welcome into another edition of the Patriot Nation podcast. Your boy Pat Lane, as always, here with my guy Matt St. Jean. And as always, this episode is brought to you by CL, uh, by FanDuel.com, the official wagering sports wagering partner of CLNS. You can go to FanDuel.com slash Boston and sign up to get on the action because, listen, the team kind of sucks. So maybe you can win some money and that, you know, that would be nice, right? I mean, at least something good would come out of the football season. We need a silver lining right now, so I'll take anything. <laughs> it's uh, it's been a rough week. It's been a rough week, and honestly, it's what's funny about it is that I almost feel worse after this week than I did of the last two weeks, right? Because the last two weeks were obviously were terrible, thirty-eight to three, and then thirty-four nothing. And you looked at it and said, "This offense is one of the worst we've ever seen." And they go into Vegas and they score some points. But you look at it and just say, man, it's just not enough. And and you have this kind of hopeless feeling with the Patriots. And back-to-back weeks now, the team that they played hadn't scored 20 points until they played the Patriots. Then both teams scored over 20 points. Uh, I believe people, both teams scored, scored over 30 points. Um, although, no, no, that's not, that's not true. Nevertheless, both teams scored over 20 points. Um, and then, you know, the – the Raiders hadn't scored, was the only team, they were the only team in the NFL that hadn't scored in the final, I think the final two minutes of the first half or the final two minutes of the game, and they did it, of course, against the Patriots. So it's just like nothing good is coming out of this season right now. No, and and to have that happen, not just against Josh McDaniels, of all people, but the combination of Jimmy Garoppolo and Brian Hoyer. And all the other expatriates on that team, just you know, one of those games. I, it's both that game feels like both a blessing and a curse because if we want the Patriots to, you know, bottom out and reset, games like that where you're playing teams close but not winning, probably the way you want it to go. And you probably want it to be that way because guys who you were going to cast off anyway aren't making plays. And that's kind of what happened. At least we got a more enjoyable Sunday than we did the, the two Sundays before that. But it's, right. you know, it's just back to the, the same old Patriots of the last three years here of pulling games close and then not being able to do anything with it. And you know, it's the same mistakes. It's, it's always they always get there in a slightly different way, but you know it's going to happen. Like the whole 
safety thing. We hadn't seen that to end the game yet, but it had the details of how you get there kind of seem to, to not matter at this point. Yeah. Well, it's funny that that's how they ended the game against the jets, right? Is it's, it's the exact safety, reverse right? of that. <laughs> and so, you know, you just look at it and, and think, you know, and, and look, I know there's not many of you. If there is anybody out there in Patriot nation that is still trying to defend Devonte Parker, give it up, give it up. Let the man go. Let him go. It's Wednesday. He got interviewed today, Wednesday, and he doubled down, doubled down on the fact that it wasn't his fault that he dropped the pass. He said that his hand got hit, his right hand got hit, so he was slow getting his hand up, and that's why he dropped the ball. Are you kidding me? Mr. 80-20 is going to sit here talking about, well, this guy touched my arm as I was bringing it up, it just happened to be the biggest play of the game. Like, you can't just make a play. You can't just sit there and say, you know what? I screwed up. It's on me. I should have caught it, and I didn't, and I expect better for myself. And, you know, listen, mention the guy hit your arm. Yeah, he listen, he got my arm, but, like, I should have caught it. Like, I got to I gotta fight through that contact and, and catch it anyways. Like, you just, oh, God, absolutely disgusting. If he never plays a snap again for the Patriots – I'd be, I'd be on board. And it all kind of goes back to the, the first half, pretty early in the first half. He has that miscommunication on the slant with Mac Jones. With yep. I don't even know how to describe the route he ran on it. Um, <laughs> and he didn't see the field much in the second half. It was just, it seemed like red zone work and two-minute drill. He was in yeah. there because he knows that better than the other guys. And just... Man, he's not getting it done, and you can't do that and make excuses about it later when you've said the things he's said, and you're an established veteran in the league. And you know, he's supposed to be—he's supposed to be wide receiver one on this team, and he's supposed to be a leader in that group. And that's not the attitude there. And I, I think I didn't mind his immediate quote after the game that much because it's immediately after the game. You're in the locker room; you don't know what happened. He hasn't seen the play. He doesn't know what it looks like from the outside. I can I can overlook somebody saying it, but to double down on it was not, and I don't love that. And I think it kind of solidifies that he's not. I mean, maybe maybe Devontae Parker's on this team next year, but he's not a guy you're building around. If he's on this team next year, it's because he was already under contract, and you know we're rebuilding. And sometimes guys stick around that aren't that good because you're in the process. Um, you're not you're not winning with him right now, though. Yeah. Yeah, you know, no, it's, it's awful. It's awful. And they've signed him to an extension now. I just, I don't, I just don't understand. I don't get it. I don't understand what they're doing with him. And look, and you said you could forgive it right away, right? And I guess I can overlook it right away. But I still want a guy, I mean, look, as much crap as we give Mac Jones and as bad as Mac Jones looked, because he looked awful, right? He stands up in front of the media. He takes accountability. He takes all the blame. It's all on me. Takes all the blame, right? And so, you know, I just think, I think that there's, you know, 
at least he's willing to take the blame on things. And Parker isn't. And that to me is enough for me to just say, bro, we're done. I'm all set here. Like you're not good enough to be a diva wide receiver. Just get the hell out of here. Yeah. And that's where I think, I mean, they had Jalen Rager playing over him. Right. Jalen Rager is not good. And I think <laughs> that says a lot. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if we're going to see a different rotation this coming Sunday. It's also, I mean, we're going to have to talk about the injury report at some point in here. Yeah. One of the issues just in general with this team right now is, yeah, we all want to see different faces. The problem is all the other faces are hurt. So Parker might have to play out of necessity, though. The wide receiver group is getting healthier now. Uh, that's the one group that's getting healthier. Yeah. And I'm curious to see which group they roll out there on Sunday. I think you want to see the young guys play just to get them some playing time and see what they've got. If Kayshawn Booty still isn't getting on the field after this, if they want Rager out there over Booty, I think that says a lot about where Booty is right now. Yes. And that is going to be concerning. Um, unless this team's really messing up that situation. But even with the mistakes this team has made at wide receiver before, um, Booty has a questionable enough history that I'm going to give the team the benefit of the doubt on any situation we don't know about. Right. But, you know, Tyquan Thornton, Demario Douglas. Get the two of those guys on the field. Whoever your third receiver is, if it's born before you trade him away, go for it. So trading away born, you might have to see a lot of Parker and Juju out there just because, you know, you need actual bodies out there and they might have to. I just, with Parker, I, I remember going back to last year, that Ravens game, and him running kind of a wrong route in the end zone and it leads to the pick. I think over the summer, we kind of looked back and Parker seemed to start the season shaky and end the season strong apart from that concussion he got. And it was like, okay, well, this is probably a Matt Patricia thing. He didn't acclimate. He didn't know what's going on because of Matt Patricia. And it feels like we got here and we've learned it's not a Matt Patricia thing. Some of this is a Devontae Parker thing. Correct. And I think the other thing, like, I think he is playing banged up. I, he had a leg injury before week one and just watching the film, there were some routes he runs where he kind of looks like he's limping while he's running it. And uh, he's not, put it this way, he's, he's not a good enough player to lose athleticism due to injuries and win. And I think we've seen that. So that is correct. Yeah, that's correct. And look, if you caught him at the end of this year, right, you incur $6.3 million of dead cap. However, his cap hit for next year is six, five. So, it basically cancels out. You, you don't lose anything by cutting him essentially, right? It's as if he were on the team still, right? So you don't get really anything back, but you're like, just get the hell out of here. See you later. You know? And that's, that's what I would do because it's just, it's, it's awful. And, and look, here's the thing with Juju. Okay. And I think that this is match Adam. I, I pointed out, had kind of said what I thought was, was pretty smart on it. And I think that, Look, the same people, the same people that all year last year talked about the Patriots only having wide receiver twos and wide receiver threes, those same people are now the ones complaining about Juju and saying, how could you possibly get rid of Jacoby Myers? You have Juju. What are you doing? Why did you pick up, right? And so, like, their argument last year was that Juju was a wide receiver up uh, was uh, that I'm sorry. Jacoby was a wide receiver three at best. That was the argument last year that he was a wide receiver three at best. 
So the Patriots tried to upgrade in free agency to get a guy that they thought had yak upside. And based on his career, and certainly what he had done last year, right, it looked like that was a fairly safe bet. He's a guy that over the course of his career has always been good after the catch. And so it was like, all right, we're just, we're going to get a similar player with a little bit of yak upside. And people are losing their minds as if they traded, they let Randy Moss walk and try to replace him with Jalen Rager. And it's like, dude, no, that's not what happened. Like, Nobody thought that highly of Jacoby Myers. And listen, I was I wanted them to keep Myers, right? But like everyone talked about Myers as if he was a wide receiver three last year. And now that he's gone and we're like, holy crap, the juju is terrible. Everyone's talking about him like he'd be the wide receiver one on this team. And maybe he would be. But like, is that going to make them all of a sudden a great offense? I, I just, that's that's the part where people are losing me. Yeah, it's. I think this is. I think it's good process. You just missed on the evaluation, and from what we've heard, it comes back to the medicals with him. Right. Um, I mean, here's the thing. It seems that. like he's he's back at practice now. So, and you're probably going to be seeing Juju out there, especially if Kendrick Bourne does get moved. I think you have to see Juju out there because, yeah. um, unless, unless unless they feel good about Booty. But I don't know if we're there yet. So, um, and even then, they like to rotate these guys. So Juju is going to be right. involved, and he might be on this team next year. We're going to see that contract is tough. Uh, although, you know, the amount of cap space they have coming up, eating dead money next year might be the time to do it. Right. Eat it. And, I mean, depending on how good these free agents are, eating that dead money this year it might be a better or sorry, in the, in the 2024 season, eating the dead money then might be a better use of that money than some of the guys you're picking up in free agency, especially if it's a reset year of some kind where we're, we're blowing it up. Um, that's probably what you do when you get rid of those guys. Juju, at least from all accounts, is a great locker room guy. So that helps. But yeah, his he's wide receivers are not in great shape right now. Uh, no. Banged up, disappointing. And it's not, that's not changing anytime soon. Right. Uh, this is a next season thing at this point, unless, you know, Tyquan Thornton breaks out. And I think for this offense to look better at all this season and to have something to grow off of, even just for whatever it's going to be next year, I think you want to see the offensive line play well enough that Mac Jones has enough time to make throws so you can see what you have in the young receivers. That's kind of the, it's like Tyquan Thornton's a deep threat. And, Right now, you can't even tell if he's a good right. one because Mac Jones doesn't have time to throw those deep balls to him. Um, yeah. I mean, that's not – it kind of comes back to the offensive line there. So that's, I think that's kind of priority one. And unfortunately, the line is somehow once again more injured than it was the week before, it looks like. Right. That's true. I mean, the one thing – there's two points. I want. By the way, Bone, thank you for calling us reporters. I appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I think – the KB trade stuff, because Asher mentioned it, you've talked about it a few times. I don't, I don't see it. I don't get it. Like, what are you going to realistically get back for KB? And I know that he's he's done after this year, right? But like, even still, he's not going to command a ton of money in the open market. Like, I like him. I like him as a guy in the locker room. I think he's a good player for you. Now, listen, if someone's going to send you a second round pick or maybe even a third round pick 
Sure. But like, is anyone going to send a third round pick for Kendrick Bourne? I just, I don't know if anyone's going to do that. See, I'm, I'll take a fifth for Kendrick Bourne right now because I think it's unlikely he's back on this team next year. I don't think he's coming back in free agency, especially if it's a whole new cast of, of coaches coming in. Yeah, I guess maybe that's true. Yeah, yeah. Then I don't think he's back and he's a free agent and this team is going to be signing a lot of free agents. So you're not going to get compensatory picks. So this is basically you getting your compensatory pick. Yeah. In- no, I mean, it makes sense. I just, I would rather, I would honestly rather, um, rather see him stay, but you know, I don't know. I mean, uh, well, the other thing is, if he, I mean, if you trade him away and then he hits free agency, you, he, you'd still sign them in the offseason. Yeah, but that never, that never happens. I know the the Red no. Sox were going to do that with John Lester, and it never happened. Like it just doesn't yeah. happen. So, no. um, one thing that Danny, this Danny Stanford pointed out, feels like a misvaluation is a common thing now. So I'm I'm working on an article and for Pat's pulpit, and I'm going all the way back to 2018 because. We, we've talked about it, how, you know, Belichick doesn't care about the offense and he only cares about the defense. You know, and that's not that it couldn't be farther from the truth. Belichick has actually invested quite a lot more in the offense than he has in the defense. He's used a ton of first round picks on offensive players. He's traded second and third round picks for offensive players. He's spent a good amount of guaranteed money on offensive free agents. The problem is they've missed on almost every single one of them from 2018 on, right? They drafted a, a offensive tackle and a wide and a running back in 2018. Sony Michelle really helped them in 2018. And then he got hurt. And then that was the end of his career. Isaiah Wynn couldn't stay healthy and stinks. So he's out bad evaluation on that guy. And really, if you want to look at it, it's a bad evaluation on, on, on him, you should have taken Nick Chubb instead of instead of Sony. Fine. But they drafted a wide receiver in the first round of 2019. First of all, they traded for Josh Gordon. They drafted a wide receiver in 2019. They traded a second-round pick for Muhammad Sanu in 2019. They traded a third-round pick for Juju Smith-Juster. They drafted a, a, a quarterback at number 15 overall. They drafted an offensive lineman at number 29 overall. They traded up for a wide receiver in the second round. They've done all of these different things. They have in they made two quarterbacks or two um two uh what's it called um uh two tight ends like two of the top paid high, tie, highest tight ends in all of football and they signed two wide receivers in the same offseason and none of it has worked none of it has worked and so like that's a that's the problem right it's not that they haven't tried it's that that the evaluations have been wrong. Flat out, the evaluations have been wrong. And that, by the way, don't don't confuse what I'm saying here. I'm not letting Belichick off the hook. It's on Belichick that the evaluations were wrong, right? But like at the end of the day, they've tried to improve the offense, and and it's just, but it's none of none of their offensive moves like zero of their offensive moves have worked and the biggest the biggest one to me the one that i second guess the most the process of the one i second guess the most is the shack mason and joe tooney thing you want to let joe tooney walk you want to trade shack mason fine you can't do both you can't let him walk and trade shack mason you can't do both that's not okay 
And you got to keep one of those guys. Yeah. Between those three, not keeping any, I think looks really bad now. Right. It's funny. You said you said you're working on an article. I got an article idea going yeah. on too, really tracing this back. I actually went back to, to 2010 at the receiver position because I was curious just what it looked like since then. And I think the pattern that you see is that for them, like the evaluations are always inconsistent as I think it's the NFL and that happens. Yeah. But also you see them drop off a cliff right after Gronk leaves. And I don't think that's a surprise because um, you go back to 2010, you got Wes Welker in the slot and you've got Gronk on that team. And what you're asking for from your ex receiver, your outside receivers in that scheme is to be wide receiver three and run clear outs and, you know, catch underneath stuff and do simple things. And uh, they bring in Chad Ocho Cinco, but it doesn't work out. But let me, I got, I need to pull up my doc in front because there's a lot of names on, so <laughs> on this list to go through. Um, they had Randy Moss in 2010, who they trade away. And that's kind of who they end up trying to replace. You bring in Dion Branch, you bring in Chad Ocho Cinco in there. They had Taylor Price, who they drafted. He didn't even last two years in New England. Brandon Lloyd. He was good. Then in 2013, Gronk gets hurt. Aaron Dobson doesn't work out. They bring in LaFell. LaFell works out perfectly. Why does LaFell work out so perfectly in 2014? Is he that significantly different from what they got from Devontae Parker like last season? Not really. The difference is you're asking him to be the third best option in your offense. I think that's because you've got Gronk and you've got Edelman on that team. You've got Amendola on that team as yeah. well. So it's, it's, uh, you're asking him to do things that are easier. 2017, they bring in Brandon Cooks. They He was really good. as wide receiver one that year with no adult. Man. Um, they had Chris Hogan in there. They had Malcolm Mitchell in there who did good jobs. And then they had Josh Gordon. And Josh Gordon was very good when he was on the field. Yeah. They just they missed with the only high draft picks they had. And it's a lot easier to evaluate guys and you're evaluating them to do simple things at the X receiver position because the rest of your offense is dominant and uh, this team is not as good in the middle of the field as it was during the Brady years. From the offensive line to the the tight end to the slot receivers, all those guys in the middle of the field are struggling a lot more, which means you're asking a lot more of your guys on the outside, and they aren't getting guys who do what do well enough there either. True. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. By the way, I think Devontae Parker's burners on uh, is in the is in the comments. Yeah. Uh, it listen and if I, it was if the guy was hanging on Devontae that badly. Devontae would have said something right when the game ended. We would have talked about how it was clearly pass interference. It wasn't. The guy's well, arm think, got hit, but come on. When I think it's it kind of goes back to that Kendrick Bourne play against Miami in week two. We were breaking down the film on of either make the catch or make it so obvious you were interfered with that they have to throw the flag. Right. It's got to be one or the other. Um, right. right. And you know, you're you're asking guys to be playmakers. You got to do one of the two things. You can't well, you're asking you're asking guys to make an above average play. If yeah. you have guys who don't make above average plays or exceptional plays at any point, then they aren't that good a player and you need well, to get better guys. And you also can't say you're an 80-20 guy and then not no. catch that pass. You, yeah. Not catch that. And this this dude says Randy Moss and his best they could have made that catch. Bro. Randy, Randy, Randy Moss, Moss for a touchdown. <laughs> I was gonna say Randy Moss and his best day catches that, stiff arms the dude and walks in for a touchdown and they win the game. Like, come on, dude. Let's let's be serious here. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. So look, it's a disaster. There's no way around it. The offense is a, is a complete disaster. 
it's just, it's, it's a dumpster fire. However, and this is really what it comes down to is that what you, what you've seen, I think is, is not one of those, is one of those things for me where the depth on the offensive line is really what is the problem. Because to me, Yes, you had injuries. And look, you, you can't plan for injuries. I think if I really do believe if they can get their top five offensive linemen healthy, I don't know if it's ever going to happen this season, but if they can, and it's Trent Brown at left tackle, Cole Strange at left guard, David Andrews at center, Mike Onweno at right guard, and Radley Reef at right tackle, I do think that that's a decent offensive line. It's not going to be the best offensive line in the league, but I think it's a decent offensive line and I think you'll see them have a little bit more success yeah. with that offensive line. The problem is, is that they haven't had that offensive line all year. And the guys that they've had to replace those guys have not been good enough. And that's the issue is that you didn't have the depth in any of those places to be able to survive the injuries. Now, listen, I understand there's like three spots that were injured, not just one, but not having the depth is really what killed them more than anything else. Not having like a competent swing tackle to be able to say like, Hey, like Connor McDermott taking a step back this year and not making the team killed them because it, McDermott well, he, was pretty good last year. Well, and, he didn't, you know, well, he did a little bit of a step back and then he got hurt right? and they got put in a position where you, yeah. you just can't put him on the active. So he's, he's actually back now. He's on the practice squad now. Right. Um, which I think, could actually be a big deal for this team just to be somewhat competitive with some of these games they're playing coming up. Um, Cause yeah, when you mentioned signing a competent swing tackle, there's no reason to think Calvin Anderson can't be a competent swing tackle, right. but he's not seeing the field right now. Um, and it sounds like a lot of the stuff that happened there is not, but it's, it's not things that could have been foreseen. Correct. Uh, I think the I think, NFI stuff is like, how do you, he was there well, at OTAs, and then he wasn't there at the start of training camp, and he missed the entirety of training camp. And they had because what? of something else that was going on. I had four options at right tackle. One of them started like the last ten games of the season for the Bears last year, and Riley Reef, and he came in and really is a guard now. He's not even a tackle at this point. The guy behind him gets sick and can't do anything. The guy behind him gets injured right before the season starts, and the guy below him is a rookie who is, a, is converting to tackle. And I think that is tough, but you can get by with all the injuries at one spot. It's that and having possibly your two best offensive linemen in, in Strange and on Wenu, depending on how good Strange actually ends up playing and how good Trent Brown decides to be on any given Correct. day. Yeah. Um, they're out, and it's just it's a bad comp. And, and I think specifically, too, the issue that they've had Pass rushers with twists and stunts are really getting them, and they're not seeing it. Mm. And you've got, like, in on the left side of the line, Antonio Moffy's bad, and on the right side of the line, you whoever like Vidari and lower right tackle is not good at those. So you have a weak link in those on both sides of the line, right. and that's one of the reasons it's it's messing them up. And they just they didn't. We knew that this offense wasn't going to be great. I think we thought with base level of competency, it would be good, and a lot of that came from the O line play being good or at least competent, and they haven't been that. And I think I, the one thing that gives me not, some degree of hope with this team being competitive on Sundays coming up is that if the line gets healthy at any point, I think 
things could start to flow. If Matt gets protected, Demario Douglas starts coming into his own, and Tyquan Thornton can be, you know, anything out there. You know, Hunter Henry's still a good tight end if they're if they're not trading him. Uh, Kendrick Bourne, if they're not trading him. Mm-hmm. It's an offense that, hey, you know, if it's Strange on Wenu and Connor McDermott in there, it's a line from last year. You might have the Chargers come into town in December and you beat them type of thing because right. you, you get one of those days where you finally get everything to click. It's mm-hmm. not going to change the long-term hopes of this team, but I think if right. you feel – I think Cole Strange and Mike Onwenu is a decent chance those two guys, you're starting guards week one next year and Trent Brown could be back at left tackle and – you want to upgrade some of these spots long term, but if we can, if some of these guys can start playing well now, that's less holes that you have to fill immediately for next season. A hundred percent, hundred percent. And so that's that's kind of that's kind of the deal. That's where they stand right now. Um, we are going to take a break for an ad read, but when we come back, I do want to talk about because you know this is about them moving forward and kind of listen. We've talked about Belichick, okay? We've talked about Bill. I really don't want to dance around the conversation with Bill anymore. It, it doesn't – it's counterintuitive in my opinion. Some people think he should be fired. Some people think he should retire. Some people – whatever, right? And and however you feel is fine. But I think the more important thing is just to take a look at the players that they have and who are the players that we feel comfortable building around. And that's the real issue. Phil Perry did a little bit of it with Tom Curran for like two minutes – and I thought, you know, if we could talk a little bit more about that, that to me is is kind of what I'm looking at. Like, who are the guys that the that the Patriots can look at next year and say, okay, we feel confident about these guys next year? And it's concerning because there's not a ton, and so that's that's the problem for me. So uh, there's a huge talent gap, I think, on this team, and so. Uh, anyways, we'll get into that after the break. Uh, we got an ad coming up, and we'll be right back. All right. Snap into the action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Ages 21 and up in present Massachusetts, hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, so let's let's get into to these to the players that we can kind of build around. And I, I know offensively, fine. Let's start on the defense because to me, that's the easiest place to look at. I think in the secondary, you're all right. You're okay in the secondary, right? Because to me, when you when you look at the secondary, you say, okay, you got Christian Gonzalez, you got John Jones, you got Marcus Jones, you got Jack Jones, like. That's pretty solid, right? And then at safety, you have Kyle Duggar. Now, you have to re-sign Kyle Duggar. But you have Kyle Duggar, you have Jabril Peppers, Jalen Mills, theoretically, Adrian Phillips, who it seems like they're kind of phasing out. And, of course, can't forget Miles Bryant, of course. Obviously. Uh, and so 
But I think I think that that that's a secondary that you can win with that secondary. That's solid, right? And of course, if, especially if they re-sign Duggar, I think that you know that's the situation where you can look at it and say, "Wow, like that secondary is pretty damn solid," you know. Yeah. And I think the big question there, and, and for a lot of these position groups when it comes to the veterans, is what does the timeline look like? Right. Is the goal to find a way to be good next season? Is the goal to take one year to reset and try to bounce back in 2025? Or is the goal to tear this all down and go from there? Yeah, um, true. And that's where like, I think Duggar's got to come back. Phillips, I think, is clearly being phased out. I think he's yeah. a free agent. Um, I think that might be a, right. guy, yeah. a guy I think you'd look at when it comes to the trade market is probably Jonathan Jones because he's over the hill, not over the hill, but he's, he's 30 now. I think he's got one, it was a two year contract, so it's got the rest of this season and next season on it. Trade him at the deadline or this offseason, whenever. But I think odds are you, you're probably not expecting to be good until 2025 at the earliest, mm-hmm. and he's not under contract then anyway. So I would get rid of him. Um, I don't think we're going to see J.C. Jackson back next year. I think you go young. I honestly think Marcus and Jack Jones could be sneaky trade candidates here as well, depending on the timeline they see. Don't and dare. Don't coming in. dare trade Marcus Jones ever. I think, he is, I think he's less likely. But Jack Jones, for some of the issues they've had, if a new front office comes in and says, hey, we didn't, we didn't draft this guy, we don't trust him, right. we're going to see what we can get back for him. I think that could make sense. But I, I think it isn't a perfect comparison, but I kind of look at the way the Falcons have rebuilt recently by just kind of hammering early on offense and drafts, and now they've, they've hit on some defensive guys and signed some defensive guys. But right. a key part of the defense being pretty good this year for Atlanta, AJ Terrell, a corner that they drafted in the first round a while ago, who has stuck around and developed and been pretty quietly one of the better corners in the NFL for a, for a while now. And I think that's kind of where you envision uh, Christian Gonzalez being in this. Yeah. And if you have, if you have one lockdown corner and you have Kyle Duggar back there and, and Mapu becomes something and you keep peppers around cause he's awesome. Filling out corners two, three, and four is a much much easier job Certainly than some true. of the other spots. And yeah. you you can find a corner three in free agency. Miles Bryant walks. You can find a guy of similar abilities for not Correct. crazy amounts of money in free agency to fill some of those holes on the defense. So um, I think that Peppers is probably going to be a bridge guy. He might not be here through the next the time that they think this team's going to be good. True. But I think he's yeah. a good enough team leader that you want him around and, you know, maybe keep him in the, in the bu- beginning of it, right? The beginning of them being getting good. You know what I mean? Exactly. You keep him in the building and, you know, if he plays, if he keeps playing well, but he doesn't fit your timeline, I think there's trade value there too. If, if we're getting to this point True. later, yeah. I think he's an asset you want to keep in the building. Right. Uh, I think, think Duggar, Peppers, Gonzalez are the sure things. Marcus Jones, yeah. Jack Jones, under contract anyway. Um, and then after that, you know, I think you yeah, got a lot, of, a lot of freedom right. to move guys. Oh, and Mapu, if we're counting with the safety. Yeah. After that, I think you got a lot of freedom to move guys around. Right. So then, then I, that's it's a good point with all those, right? But you have at least three, I don't want to say foundational pieces, but three, like one 
real foundational piece, assuming he comes back and looks the same way he did at the beginning of this, of this year. And then Duggar, who I think is extremely talented, and Jabil Peppers, who's awesome. He's fantastic. So those three guys alone make it, you know, a decent secondary. And then you, the guys that you fill in. Now, again, if Jack Jones, Marcus Jones, and John Jones are all still around, now you're looking at a top-tier secondary. And, and I think the fact that you're at a point where you like your secondary enough that you can get rid of any of those guys and right. still not really worry about what's yes. going to go on in the future, I think is good. And I do think right. part of that is the coaching there. Uh, was it Mike Pellegrino is the coach. Yep. yep. Um, he does a nice job. I'd like to I'd like to keep him around because I think he's done a good job with those guys. I agree. Yeah, I agree. So then you go to the front seven and Javon, Javon Bentley is becoming one of the best linebackers in the NFL. He's a guy who literally does not come off the field. He played 100% of the snaps last week, and he's done that pretty consistently all year long. Played 100% of the defensive snaps. He's out there on offense, uh, out there on passing downs, out there on rushing downs, and his past defense has become significantly better. He's a very good blitzer. He's a really, really good player for them. Um, and so, you know, he's great. Anthony Jennings, I think, has stepped up in – He's gotten some extra time, um, which is good. He stepped up in those roles, which is nice. Marte Mapu, I still think, is probably is that kind of linebacker safety tweener that I think can, you know, can play. Um, and Jolene Devai has looked good too, right? So you have like linebackers, and you know, I don't know if you want to count, I don't know if you want to count uh uh Judon as a linebacker or an edge rusher, but like Judon, you gotta think Uche's probably gonna walk at the end of the at the end of this year. I would think it's he's gonna it's command tough, big money. Well, and I think this is the tough thing with the Uche situation. Um he's a good enough player that if you let him go, you're probably not replacing him with a guy as good in free agency, and you're probably also paying more than you're paying Uche right now. So right it's a tough spot to be in. And he's also the type of guy like he has issues because the, the Patriots are very much foundational with the run on defense and he has issues against the run. And I think he's gotten better against the run, but he's not great. So yeah. he's going to be a rotational player in this defense in other defenses. If there's other coaches coming in, he's going to play a different role. Right. I don't care where they go with Uche but you got to make your decision now, basically. You're either re-signing him or you're trading him. You can't just let him walk out the door, I don't think. Because the other part of this is edge players and talented pass rushers are typically guys you have to take in the first round or second round. Yeah, You only get so many of those picks. If you got a guy with that ability in the building, they got a lot of money this offseason. I don't mind overpaying a little bit to keep him here because the alternative is having to use more draft capital on that position and letting a guy walk out the door again. Um, but make yeah. your decision now. I don't, I'm not going to get upset if they trade him and it's probably going to be a third or a fourth round pick back for him. Maybe something conditional. If you resigns wherever he goes, where you can bump up to like a second. Yeah. The other issue is he's, he's both hurt and not producing right now. He has two sacks on the season and he's banged up and that's yeah. going to hurt his, it's going to hurt his, his draft. Uh, what do you call it? his trade? trade. Uh, yeah, but also it could make him cheaper to bring back in free agency, and sure. you might be able to get him on a more affordable deal. The other linebackers, I think Bentley and Tafai, you keep are doing a really good job. Yeah, Mac Wilson hasn't played a ton this year, but he actually has looked fine in the role they've used him, and I haven't, 
I haven't noticed him <laughs> watching the games. So I think that's as positive a sign as you're going to get. And then True. Anthony Jennings is the type of guy to me who, you know, it'd be good to see him back. I think he's a good player. If he's not back next year and they just decide to go with a different type of player there, that's also fine. Um, he's almost, he's not the same. But there's some similarity there with like a Miles Bryant where he's like, he's a role player and he's good at what he does. But also if you replace him with a different body, I don't think you're upset. Yeah, um, I agree. I do think I want to shift it to the edge conversation right now, though, because I think this is kind of the mo- the most interesting part is that Uche, is con- his contract is up. Anthony Jennings, his contract is up. Judon has one year after this year. And then you've got Keon White waiting in the wings. And I don't know if we want to include, include Wise in this conversation, but we're talking trade stuff for this team. Trading Judon this offseason or even at the deadline if teams think he will come back later this year makes a lot of sense. Um, and I don't like saying that because he's one of my favorite players on this team and I think he's very good, but he's a leader. It's a very good pass rusher and a good run defender at the same time. Does a lot well. I think you get a good return for him. And signing Uche and trading Judon might be the way to do this. Also, maybe these top three guys, none of them are back next year. I think that's totally on the table here. Yeah, which would be tough, you know. And that, and look, I, I think in in regards to Judon, to me, they did they pulled the Stephon Gilmore with Judon, where they gave him extra money this year, but they pulled it from next year. So his contract, his salary next year is not super high. So they're gonna have to do something with his deal next year. And so whether that means trade him in the offseason, whether that means sign him to an extension in the offseason. But he's not going to play under the contract next year because they took money out of that deal and gave it to him this year as you know as a bonus. But fine, which is great. Give him some more money this year. But then it's like, well, then now you got a problem with next year's contract. So we got to figure that out. Um, but you could, you might be right that they that they certainly might move on from him. I don't know. Can you trade a guy that's on the injured list? That is a great question. Let me Google that. I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can trade a guy on IR, but. I might be wrong, but I don't think he can because he's got to pass a physical. Um, but I don't know. But then you know, often defensive line. I think I think we're good defensive line. Oh no, you you can. A rule passed in 2018. You can trade players on injured reserve. There you go. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. So uh, you which know is what? it's be, they changed the rule once guys could start coming back off of got IR. it, which makes yeah. sense. Okay. So. Just to finish off the defensive line here, you know, you got Godshaw, Christian Barmore, Daniel Uquale, who I think is is an underrated player. Of course, he's hurt right now, but Keon White, Lawrence Guy, like I, they have a fairly deep defensive line. I think that you know, Sam Roberts made the team, which is a little unexpected, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them bring someone in defensive line wise. But you don't have to bring in a guy that's a first or second round pick. You bring in a guy that's you know fourth fifth round pick something like that um yeah. you know i think you're you're building around keon white and barmore i think probably yes. on that line guy i think is not part of the future god is probably around next year but um not yeah. past to that unless he's coming back on cheap money uh he's fine but i think i think the thing you've seen with this team especially with that judah in the last couple of weeks and this is my biggest concern with the front seven if teams decide that they're going to go bully ball and try to run on them, then 
all of their pass rushers come off the field. And when they go play action, there's no pass rush whatsoever. And I yeah. thought Barmore did some good stuff. Keon White, Dietrich Wise each showed some good stuff. But the other guys on the field are Lawrence Guy and Devon Godshaw and Sam Roberts. Um, and they're in for any Jennings. And they don't have that same burst to rush the no. passer. No. So I think it's I think the guys I feel good about here are Keon White and Christian Barmore, your, your second-round pick defensive linemen staying. And two years from now, they may be the only two guys. Right. Um, who are, yeah. who are still here. Masterful is asking about Brian Burns or Montez Sweat. And I think I think both those guys could be, theoretically could be targets. I think Brian Burns is going to get an absolutely outrageous contract because he's a very good player. Montez Sweat is a guy that I don't know how underrated he is anymore. I feel like he was a little underrated in Washington. Chase Young's the one that got all the publicity. Montez Sweat just, he just, he works his butt off. I think he's a good Patriots fit. I don't know if Washington's going to let him leave number one, and I don't know what type of contract he's going to demand. Yeah. Um, but if he, you know, if they can get him for, you know, similar to what they did with Judon, where it wasn't the top of the market, but it was like close to it. I think that that would make a lot of sense. I just don't know if they're going to be able to do that. Right? I don't know if Washington's going to let him walk, number one, and I don't know if they're going to be able to do that with yeah. him. And I'm not not opposed to things like that, but I do want to see how the rest of free agency goes because you need pass rushers, but that's depending on who stays far further down the list of needs for this team than some of the other things. Um and it's, you know, if if no receive, no good receivers hit free agency, then by all means, I'm down to spend on right. some pass rushing talent. Um, but, well, and, so, yeah. and, and here's the problem, right? Here's the big problem. If we flip to the offensive side of the ball, you start looking at the names that are on this list, and you start asking yourself, who is going to be here next year? Like, who are they even going to – like, because, you just look at the offensive line. Trent Brown, free agent. Maybe they bring him back. Maybe they don't. I don't know. Cole Strange will be here. David Andrews, I think, is going to retire at the end of the year. Maybe he won't, but I think he's going to. Mike Onwenu's contract is out is up at the end of the year. They got to resign him. Which they should, but I, who knows, right? Do they have a right tackle right now? Is City So going pen to be penciled in as the starting right tackle next year? I don't know. Is Riley Reef going to be back? Is Calvin Anderson going to be back? And so Tony Moffey's going to be back, but like, you know, and Jake Anders will be back. Those are their rookies. But like, are any of those guys impact players? Like, I, I don't know. Like that's the part that scares me. If they don't re-sign Trent Brown and David Anders retires and, and they have to re-sign, they have to re-sign on Wenu. Cause if they don't re-sign on Wenu, now you're talking about, you don't, you literally don't have starters. Yeah. At three positions, like you have to resign. I think win. I think the only guy locked in for for next season is going to be Cole Strange at left guard. Right. Um, if you're there's two reasons you don't resign on Wenu. One is because he gets too pricey for you, and whew, the amount of cap space the Pats have, it's, it would have to get really high. The other is that you know he can't get on the field, he can't get healthy, he's not playing well, and they don't trust him, right. which is also an issue there. I think you'd like to. I think in an ideal world, you want to feel good about Cole Strange and Mike Onwenu being your starting guards next year. 
I also think, I can't believe I'm saying this again, <laughs> Brent Brown is probably going to be one of the top five offensive tackles in free agency. Yep. He has familiarity with the guys on the roster, and he's inconsistent enough that he's going to come cheaper. And finding two starting tackles in one offseason is very hard. Correct. So, And he also can play left or right tackle. So I think bringing Trent Brown back is probably going to end up making at least some degree of sense if he wants to come back. And then you're hoping uh, Jake Andrews and City So can play into the, the picture at center and right tackle. But, you know, we're, we're going to see where this team's drafting. You're probably going to be able to take a tackle if you want a tackle sure. and you want to build that offensive line. And, you know, City So can be a backup. That's fine. He can be your swing guy. And uh, most of these veterans, Riley Reeve, Calvin Anderson, I think Calvin Anderson's under contract for next year. Um, I think so too. Yeah. yeah, he might be your he might be a swing tackle, but um, I don't like I don't Riley Reef's not going to be a part of this. I especially if they change out the coaching staff. I think James Ferentz is finally going to be gone off the practice yeah. squad. Right. Um, and you know we'll see what happens with Mafi. And I think one of the big things here is do we we keep talking about guys as Patriots fits. What that means in twelve months may be something different, and that's something we're going to have to consider here. Is you know. So Mafi and Jake Andrews all may be gone in 12 months because new co- coaches come in and they don't like those guys and that's it. And we're wiping the slate clean with the offensive line and it's going to be Cole Strange. Maybe on when he comes back, maybe Trent Brown comes back, but it could be Strange and four new linemen, which is a very difficult project and that means it's probably going to be a bad line next yes. year and you are, it's a, going to be a two or three year process to rebuild the line. Well, what I'd like to see by the end of the year is City So at right tackle. I mean, they drafted City So to be a tackle. And I know he's playing guard right now out of necessity. He played tackle all summer. Like, I'd like to see him at right tackle and give him a shot, give him an extended look. Listen, maybe he's not ready. I But, like, he can't possibly be as bad as Vidarian Low. Like, it can't get much worse than that. Yeah, and that's... That's the other thing. I mean, if he if he is not developed and he can't get on the field, and you're bringing in new coaches and stuff next year, he's probably not playing. Effective. That's correct. Right? And he'll probably come into camp, and we'll see how it looks. And if he improved, then he'll be a fit because he'll be a good football player. Right. Yeah. But um, if he doesn't, then probably we'll get shipped off somewhere, and that'll be that, and we'll reset. Yeah. It's it's funny. It's amazing. Like you draft, we draft those guys, and you go back to April and. It's all right. We have the back. We have our backup offensive line for a little bit here, center guard and offensive tackle, and we'll see if they develop into anything. And it's amazing how quickly that turned into. Do all right. We're going to shuffle them out for the next cast of guys. It's, it hasn't even been twelve months here yet, and that's life in the NFL. That's how this goes. And yep, that's the bottom of rosters turns over very fast in the right. NFL, even for good teams and for bad. Teams well, and that's that that's the hard thing, right? And so. So just just to get the rest of the offense before we, before we talk for the next three hours, <laughs> Mac Jones. Look, we all know Mac Jones isn't the guy. I think I think at this point we can pretty confidently say that Mac Jones isn't the guy. Now that doesn't unless mean, a miracle happens over the yes, next few months. That doesn't mean that Mac Jones won't be the starter in twenty twenty four. And the reason for that is because if you're not drafting in the top five or if you are drafting in the top five, but you don't love anyone outside of Keely Williams and Drake May, and they're both gone, you don't want to reach for Michael Penix. You don't want to, whatever the case may be, right? 
You don't love those guys. So you build up the rest of your team instead. You draft the left tackle from Penn State, who we'll talk about a little bit later. You draft, you know, Keon Coleman or Marvin Harrison Jr. or whatever the case may be, and you make your offense better that way. You live one more season with Mac Jones, and you somehow try to find a replacement for him either in the draft in 2025 or in free agency in 2024, 2025. So, you know, that's that's kind of the idea from there. But at wide receiver and tight end, and even running back, I don't know if Ramondre is a, is a guarantee to get paid. They haven't paid a running back in a long time. Um, unfortunately, this time they didn't hit a running back, right? Like, it seemed There's like they always hit a running back. It's like, yeah. Shane Vereen hit. Danny Woodhead, right? Hit. Deion White, uh, Deion Lewis hit. Right? Even they, then they James, drafted James White, fourth round. Shane Vereen, yep. I think, was fourth round. So, so you kept you kept drafting those guys, and you kept hitting on them. And now Ramondre was a third round pick, and then you then last year you drafted both Strong and Kevin Harris, and neither of those guys have hit. And 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 maybe Kevin Harris will be okay eventually. I don't think so, but like maybe he'll be like serviceable. But like it would have been nice to hit on that pick because now you're looking at it saying, okay, we got another running back. We have another yeah. running back that we can go from there. So um, and they just they, that wasn't the case. I wouldn't be surprised to see them draft one in the third or fourth round next year. And if that guy develops, then Ramadre's gone at the end of next year. I think Ramadre has I, one year left, right? I think so. Well, the other thing right now. Forget about paying Ramondre. I think the question is, do you want to pay Ramondre? He hasn't looked like he's a guy who's yeah. worth paying right, right. now, uh, in which case he might be back, but, you know, he's just a yeah. guy in your backfield. Right. And I think running back's a spot, too, where, you know, draft a guy in the fourth round and sign a guy for cheap and bring Ramondre back, and you probably be good enough for... Right. You can... you can That's that's the position where you can find the guy last if you want to. Yep. Damian Harris is a name I forgot about. And yeah. then Z-Tac does point out that um, that Ramondre was a fourth-round pick, not a third-round pick. So Yeah. And then, you know, and then at wide receiver and tight end, I mean, it's just like it's the same thing. Do they move on from Bourne? Do they re-sign Bourne? Do they trade Kendrick Bourne? Well, and it's... Can Kayshawn Booty do anything? Well, DeMar Douglas looks like to be their best wide receiver, but can he stay healthy? Can right Tyquan Thornton too. stay healthy? Hunter Henry, free agent. Gasicki, free agent. I assume Farrow Brown is a free agent. Right. Um, Bourne, free agent. Juju and Parker are not free agents, but not likely to be sticking around. Yep. Um, Tyquan Thornton, um, bust question mark right now. Yeah. We haven't seen much from him, but even putting the production aside, guys who miss as much time through two years as he has, yeah, usually don't end up being hits. Um, right. Booty, unknown. And Pop Douglas, you know, he's been the best offensive weapon on this team. I'm not sure if he's anything more than a wide receiver three for a good team right now. Just yeah. based on the profile, and I like him. So, you know, we come back in 12 months or 24 months, and there might not be a single wide receiver or tight end still around who we have right now, which is a good thing because these guys aren't very good. They need to be swapped out for new guys. Yeah, agreed. And getting rid of Parker is a little tough. It's not that tough, but it's a little tough. Um He's got yeah. a, a decently sizable contract next year. Um, 
it's not huge, but it's, you know, I think, I think I said it like what, 6 million. No, that was, I'm sorry. I'm thinking about, am I thinking about Juju? I, I, <laughs> I'm all, up I'm all screwed up here. I, I think, I think I was looking at Juju's contract and it was tough to get out of Juju's contract before next year. I think it's next year. Like next year he has a decently, he has a pretty high cap hit, but his dead cap is big. After next year, you can get rid of him for almost nothing. Yeah, and um, you can you can if you cut Parker next year, you save at the tiniest bit of money, and right. you're basically just it's like he's on the roster. You have like six million dead money, which for a team with as much cap space as this team has, I'm fine eating that. I don't right. really hundred percent, hundred percent, especially if you're not going to get anything from. I mean, the man has twelve catches in five games. Twelve yeah. catches in five games. Like we're all set. And he's still better than Juju. <laughs> which is crazy, you know, and that's yeah. which is saying something, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I just think, you know, but that's where that's where we stand right now, which is yeah. like crazy when you think about. I think the defense everyone feels pretty good about, even moving forward. And yes, like there are question marks about Judon, what his future is going to be, and Duggar and Uche, but like you still feel good about the way they've built the defense and they've hit on some of those picks. Of course, Barmore, I think you would have liked to have been more impactful. But I think he had a great game on Sunday. And maybe he can yeah. build upon that and he can play more consistently that way. He's had a hard time staying healthy as well. But I think if you can build upon that defense, I think everyone feels pretty good about the defense. It's the offense that isn't good now. And then next year you're like, well, what are we building? Like, what's happening? You know what I mean? Like yeah. Trey Nixon's going to be, maybe might be back next year, but like there's only so much Trey, Trey Nixon can do to your offense to make it that much right. better. You know what I mean? When you look at the defense too, uh, I feel good about it, but like the other part of this defense requires a lot of players to yep. be good. You need like 15, 16 guys. You feel good about to have a good defense and you need three or four of them to be playmakers like that's It's, it's, it's not hard to build a decent defense. It's very hard to build a very good or an elite defense. 100%. The Patriots yep. might have one at the top there. And depending on how long it's going to take for the to build out this offense to where it needs to be, by the time you get there, <laughs> the defense is going to look very different than it does today. 100%. So yeah. it's just a balance of keeping enough talent there and w- making wise investments. And the defense is going to slip a little bit, and it can slip a little bit. That's fine. If your defense slips from 7th best to 12th best, but your offense goes from 31st, 32nd, whatever New England's is right now, to 10th, yeah, that's a net. That's a net win. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Right. And yeah. and again, you know, like while you still have, you know, young, fairly young guy. Obviously, Christian Gonzalez is a young guy. Marte Mapu, Juwan Bentley isn't young necessarily, but he's not old. Christian Barmore, Keon White, like Jack Jones. You know, so and you know, and like I say, Duggar and. um you know, and even Tavai's not super old, and Marte Mapu, if you're going to rely on him. So you have these young-ish guys that you look at and say, hey, we can build around this defense. You don't have that offensively, unfortunately. And that, that to me, is the biggest concern, that you don't have anyone really that you can build, that you're like, all right, I'm going to build around this guy offensively. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. no one there. Need to find him, yeah. And I know you had mentioned the quarterback situation there. I I also want to throw my hat in the ring for my thoughts. Um, and this is kind of I'll, I'll give kind of my my best case scenario. I think this off season for New England, uh, yeah, going forward. Um, I think you you trade Mac Jones this off season. Oh, 100%. not not because like I I don't hate 
the idea of Mac Jones, the player in New England next year, but I'm assuming that there's going to be a coaching and GM change. And if that's the case, you don't want Mac Jones, the leader in New England, because you want a fresh start for the unit as a whole. You send him somewhere, you take whatever you can get back, probably going to be a day three pick of some kind. Maybe you get lucky and you get a day two pick because it's, you know, Sam Darnold got a day two pick, I'm pretty sure. Right. So maybe you get lucky and you get that, but you settle for anything. I I think in some ways the most ideal scenario for this team is to end up in, in whatever the Drake May spot is in the draft, whether that's the second pick or the third pick. Now what I will, well, and this is assuming they don't completely bottom out and get Caleb Williams. I will say, I just started getting into the Drake May tape this week. I am not as excited about him as everybody else is. So maybe I'm wrong. I'm going to watch more. I'm going to, and my opinion's going to change. But as of right now, I'm not a huge fan of his. But if NFL teams are, uh, yep. you're sitting there in the Drake May spot, and there's a couple teams that want him, that's where you want to be if you're in New England. Because you can probably trade back in that first round, get an extra first rounder next year, get an extra second rounder in there, and still get an elite offensive talent. Right. And if you can find a way to get, I mean, the short list is Fashan. Um, I cannot pronounce his name. The, the tackle from Kid Penn from State. Penn State, yeah. Yeah, Marvin Harrison Jr., if you can get a guy like that. Brock Bowers, if you can get a guy like that in this draft. It doesn't really matter which of those three guys it is. If you can get a talent like that. Even someone like you, Keon Coleman, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Keon Coleman's another guy who I started to watch last night, and I got the same the same feeling I got Great that when I watched. What was that? The Drake May feeling? I know. I got the Nikhil Harry feeling oh, watching God. Keon Coleman. Uh, he's, not, he's not the same player, but I got the same feeling I got watching – Kill Harry played Arizona State. So let me preface all of this by saying this is my first look at tape for, for prospects for next year, and these are not opinions that I have rock solid at all. Yeah. These will change over the coming months. Right. Uh, Leak Neighbors is a guy I think they'd like. He's fast. That dude has another gear, and I think he's – if you're going receiver, I think that's the way I'd go if you don't have uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. there. But if you can find a way to get any of the elite offensive talents at the top of the board while also – picking up the draft capital for future years. That's ideal. And then the QB position, Jacoby Brissett, the free agent this year. Baker Mayfield is a free agent this year. Yep. Somebody like that, bring them in. Yeah. I don't yeah. think you, you need to entirely bottom out. I think you can kind of go into next year with, all right, we got a tackler, a receiver, or whatever, a quarterback who is a veteran, a professional, and can make this offense look somewhat functional and execute the basics. And... We're going to see how things look. And then, you know, we're going to need another offensive talent the year after that in the draft. Right. Yeah, no, it's a good point. It's a good point. And, you know, and you kind of fill in the defense later on in the draft with some late day two picks, some day three picks, and, and hope that one or two of those guys hit. And, you know, and you can kind of go from there. I, I think yeah. it makes a lot of sense, you know. And, yeah. and you know, I don't know. I don't know the guys. I will say Light Engine mentions Caleb Diva trades. Like, oh, my God, dude. The – Something came out that he wants to like own a team, or he okay, wants like I got ownership. I got a, I got a bone Please to pick here, me. Pat. I got a bone to pick here. This was like an offhand comment either he or his agent made right. last summer when asked about like their futures. And he, was uh, about the, he, was, he wasn't talking about like getting drafted and wanting. To, he was like talking about wanting to own a team at some point someday, right? Something like that. And of course, Dove Kleiman, uh, whoever sucks. that dude is. 
decides to pull it out the second that Caleb Williams has a bad game to make him yes. look like a diva. Uh, there, there, are, there are issues with Caleb Williams as a prospect. Don't get me wrong. He's not, I don't think he's Trevor Lawrence or Andrew Luck level as a prospect. He might have diva traits. But right. I don't know. A college kid saying, looking at his future career, saying, hey, I'd love to find a way to make even more money off of it is pretty far down the list of complaints I'm going to have about yeah. it. That's true. It's a good point. It's a good point. So I think, I think there's a lot of questions as to what's going on. I will say, I will say to you that I agree with your point about, yeah, look what, what, um, Chicago did this year, right? Chicago took the number one pick, turned it into the number nine pick. What looks to be a surefire top five pick again this year. I believe a second round pick too, right? And an elite wide or a very good wide receiver in DJ Moore. Yeah. And so like all of that to drop from one to nine, and then they drafted an offensive tackle at nine. Yeah. And so, you know, those are the things where you can um where you can look at it and say, like, hey, if we were able to do that, that's that would be huge. Absolutely huge for us. And you know what's tough? Look. Man, Brian Baldinger was on uh, part of my take today, and uh, he was. T- they were asking him, you know, who's the biggest under the radar like rookie, and he just Dewan Jones, and I'm like, oh god, dude, Dewan Jones, he's a guy we're that doing I'm that again a billion times, and I'm like, yeah. I just, it's not cool. So, yeah. but anyways, but you know, I, I just, you know, so yeah. I do want to go back. So somebody up chat had mentioned um, Kyler Murray throwing that name out there. Yes, okay. I think it's interesting. What I will say is, is this. Um, I think if Bill Bel in a world where Bill Belichick is the head coach of this team next year, yeah, I don't hate the Kyler Murray edition. Yeah, if not, I'm not that interested because I think Murray is clearly a guy who needs some structure. Uh, the fact that that ownership felt the need to stick a clause in his contract saying you have to study more, I don't love. Um, and there had been whispers about maturity issues there for a while. Yeah, Kyler Murray's a really, really good player when he's on the field, um, but. He's also very expensive, and Correct. there's enough there that, like, if if you're bringing them in, I think you want to just make sure you have leadership in the offensive staff so that nothing goes off the rails. Because I think if you can take his talent and really find a way to harness it in a structure in a way that Atlanta, not Atlanta, Arizona has never had, that could look good. New offensive staff. I'm not bringing in a guy to be a head coach for the first time and then asking him to. Yeah, do that. I, I suppose that's true. I just don't. I don't love Kyler. I never like really liked Kyler that much. Yeah, and so. I, I don't. And I don't. I don't think Bill a Kyler like, guy. I don't think Bill would like Kyler in the world where where Kraft says you got one more year to turn this thing around. I think the quarterback that Bill probably goes to get is Kirk Cousins this yep. offseason. Agreed. That I think makes way more sense than Kyler, um, just for what Bill Belichick likes. But uh, what's crazy to me is that you know could he be traded? Kirk Cousins might get traded midseason. I mean, if they're they're it's, that it's, bad, I think Kirk said he he's not going to waive his. Oh, because he has a no trade clause. clause. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yep, Which sign of the other thing with Kyler? You know, we've all looked at this Arizona team, assuming they're moving on from Kyler and they were going to have the number one overall pick. Right now, they don't necessarily look like a team that's going to have the number one overall pick. And Kyler's coming back. And if the Patriots are sitting there at two and the Cardinals are at five, and they say, well we'll give you some future firsts to trade up and go get our guy. Um, 
yes, because right. Arizona is a dysfunctional franchise. And if they're going to trade up for Drake May and still not be good next year anyway, and you're going to get a good first round pick out of that. Like I'm, we're, we're running this through the, through to the office league office as soon as possible. A hundred percent, hundred percent. Especially cause that's one of those. If you can stay in the top five and still get one of the elite offensive talents like that's I, I for the, for new England, I think that's a dream scenario because this team is not good enough to drop in a QB next year and expect them to do well. Yeah. So Masterful asks about about Jefferson ever sniffing free agency. And look, they they did his fifth year option. They haven't signed him to a long term deal yet. You would assume that they will. If they don't, I would throw him an absolute bag of money. Yeah, blank check. And just be like, bro, like, come on now. Like, and, give me, you know what I mean? Like and the Patriots would be one out of thirty-two teams in line to do correct. hundred percent. And he'll get the AJ Brown treatment, which is get traded for a first round pick. But he'll get like a top ten pick instead of yeah. you know what was Traylon Burks I think eighteen, and so you know that ends up as that situation where it's like he gets a top ten pick and then they and then they give him a bag. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if he gets if he gets traded this this off season, that gets interesting, especially because Kirk Cousins is a free agent, and if Kraft if Belichick goes to Kraft and says, "Hey, I know this year was bad." but we can trade for Justin Jefferson and I'll sign Kirk Cousins and we're going to make it work in New England. All righty. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess. The hard thing is that I'm not trading I'm not trading a top 5 pick for Justin Jefferson. That's the hard thing for me is if that If you if you're doing that, you want something back. Correct. You want at least like a second round pick back. Something, something. back, right. Yeah. Right. So, um, but anyways. All right, let's um I think we're done. We're done with this. We're done yeah. with this oh, conversation. No, we, we had, have, we have, we have one different things. We, we had our, we got all our ending segments. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. We gotta, we gotta move on from, from the discussion about what's going on. We got like four different uh, things that we have going on at the end. And so we'll get into the prop bets first. All right. Uh, I'm going to go, I will go, I'll go first with the prop mm-hmm. bets. My first one. And uh, Gardner Minshew screwed me last week. So screw that guy. I'm going with, the best defense in football right now, mm-hmm. the Cleveland Browns against the Indianapolis Colts, and I'm going the under. And that line right now, have you seen that line? <laughs> the under for that game is 40 points. 40. I'm going under 40. on Taking, taking the under is dangerous because you could get two Browns defensive touchdowns. That's what I mean. It's crazy. But I'm like, whatever, dude. By the way, I went 0 and 2 again last week, and you went 1 and 1. I'm now 2 the one and I got, 10. The one I got to was I, I called the touchdown uh, from, from Dalton Schultz. Yeah, I can't believe I did that. Um, I'm going with my first one here. I'm also taking an under, but I'm going for the exact opposite type of under from you. You're going for the, the grimiest, the yeah. dirtiest game of the week. I'm going high flying. Give me this Dolphins Eagles under 51 and a half points. Okay. It's an Eagles offense that has struggled a little bit this season. Um, Miami defense, you know, not that bad. And, yeah, I think Philly's defense has enough to slow down what Miami's doing. Maybe I'm going to look really dumb Sunday night after this one, but this feels like one of those games that just ends up being a little bit more, like, grinded out than people think it's going to be. Everyone is currently mad at you for doing that. They're like, why are you wasting a good game? What's going on? Come on. <laughs> that should be a fun game. We want points, and you're betting the under. But there's, but, you know. 
there's nothing more like whenever there's a game like this that everybody's hyped up for, it feels like that's the one where it's like, all right, I agree with you. Down. Not often do they live up to the hype. That's why, like, that one game, right? That what that Rams uh Chiefs game that was like 97 to 92 was like was so crazy because it was just like they went back and forth. It was crazy, you know. With defensive scores too. Side yeah. note, before we do other things, I just want to highlight a comment here from Light Engine that I love. How did San Fran get all those players? Why can't we even do half of that? Um, it's simple. Just have a left tackle named Trent and draft the wide receiver from Arizona State. That's the that. here. Damn, that's just that's just <laughs> mean. That's mean, dude. And you know what? I was thinking about that. I was thinking about the Trent Williams. I was thinking about Trent Williams the other day because I was like, man, when? Because we obviously got Trent Williams, the Trent Brown. I'm sorry, from San Fran. Yeah. Right. And so San Fran didn't trade for Trent Brown until 2020. Mm-hmm. Until 2020, dude. I was actually like, it. It feels like he's been a lifelong 49er, just because he spent his career in Washington, and they're such a they dumpster fire that nobody they knew. Traded that. a third and a fifth round pick. Yeah, because didn't they mess up his medicals in Washington? Man, I think so. I think that was yeah. the case. Yeah, and he was like, "Run yeah. out of here." <laughs> so it's just like, oh my lord, dude. Yeah. yeah, it was a um, yeah, it was rough. It was rough. Yeah, so he had something on his head, I think it was. Like, it removed a growth or something. It was a whole mess. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was oh, – man. So – now. But, yeah, they traded a third and a fifth for him, and he's, like, just the best offensive lineman in the league. You're like, oh, my God, dude. So, not great. Not great. So, all right. Uh, my second uh, my second prop bet of the week is Jared Goff over one and a half passing touchdowns. Playing Baltimore this week. Baltimore's a tough defense. The Lions are high flying. They've been on fire lately. They're five and one. And I'm going to keep the train rolling, baby. Jerry Goff over one and a half passing touchdowns. Oh, I love it. We're having fun now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, my other one here, let me pull up my notes. I've got, oh, Evan Engram, anytime touchdown. We're going love back. It. We're going to the AFC South touchdown well again. Tight end touchdown well again. I think it's going to happen. And I just, I wanted a Thursday night football bet in there. Why not? That's fun. Let's That's a that good one. Part. That's a fun bet. Yeah. So I like yeah. it. I like it. Do All we right. want to uh, do college game for Saturday? Let's do college game of the week. And then do you have a trivia question? I do. Love it. Uh, All right. So college game of the week is what? What do you got? Noon Eastern on Fox, Penn State at Ohio State. One, when it comes to actual college football stakes, this is incredibly intriguing. Um, big. Big Ten college football playoff implications here. But we're here for what it means for the Patriots. Mm-hmm. And what you need to know is this. The top wide receiver in the draft, Marvin Harrison Jr., plays for Ohio State. The top tackle in the draft, Olu Fashanu, plays for Penn State. And Amika Ebuka, uh, the one of the guys in contention for wide receiver two in this draft, uh, also plays for Ohio State. Yep. So lots of guys. And there's also... Down the board, day two, day three, even later day one talent in the draft. There's a lot of defensive guys on both of these teams who are going to be there. I don't think that's really what we're watching for at this point. I think we're watching for the offensive guys. But I'd watch this game noon Eastern, Saturday on Fox. We're going to be throwing some games in here at the end of these shows to watch if you're looking for prospects for the Pats. And this is one of those where they could – you could be looking at the next franchise wide receiver or tackle in New England playing on Saturday. Yep. Love it. Love it. That's a good one. 
So that I mean that's I mean there is no other game this weekend. That's the game this weekend. It's all the players watch it. Yeah, it's like yeah. We had Washington Oregon last weekend, which was a ton of fun. But I don't know if you watched that, Pat. I had it on. I had a blast with it. Yeah, yeah. It was I. I didn't watch all of it, but I did watch some of it, and it was a wild game. So we should be be in for something similar. Um, Should we do uh, trivia here? Yes, let's do trivia, and then we'll do this week in sports history, and we'll get you guys the hell out of here. All right, last week's question, which Patriot had three touchdowns in New England's last win over the Raiders in 2020? The answer was Rex Burkhead. He was uh, he had a really good game in that one. Uh, TJ Pindar, you got that one correct. And there's a fun little bit of trivia to go with that one. Aside trivia from last week's question, uh, Rex Burkhead was one of only two players on the 2020 New England Patriots to have multiple receiving touchdowns. Oh, he had two. Nikhil Harry had three. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I might be mixing those two up. And, and everybody else only had one. That's wild. That's yeah. a ridiculous stat. Which all, a lot of that had to do with you just give it to Cam. Cam is <laughs> not throwing the ball. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah. Uh, all right. We got we got one. I think we're, we're going to have some fun with this one. I like just, it. Just throwing some names out there on this question. The Patriots have three. 90-yard passing plays in franchise history. Okay. Tom Brady was the quarterback for two of them. Yes. Which quarterback threw the third? Ooh. Just, I can't wait to see. Throw throw some names out there for some old school uh, Patriots quarterbacks. Throw them out there, peeps. Come on now. Yeah. Yeah, and then I'll tell. I'll I'll give you the hit. It's pre. uh, It's pre Brady. It's pre Brady. Yeah. So it wasn't Matt Castle. Yeah, there's no Matt Castle. There's no no like Mac Jones didn't get this one. Go right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. So, it's good stuff. That's a good one. I like that one a lot. Yeah, I like that one a lot. I have a guess. I'm not going to say it, but I have a guess. Yeah, um, let me know. Yeah. Do you want the answer to that one? Some things. We'll probably give it on on Sunday after the game. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll give the answer to that one on Sunday after the game, and then we'll um. Last one, we get we get the bye weeks coming up. Bye weeks coming up, and we'll get to pick a name out of that. It's gonna be a lot of fun. We'll have to do that right on the uh, live on the stream. That'll be fun. Yeah. So throw your answers in the chat for this one, and uh, you'll be entered for that drawing. Win something from the Pats Pro Shop. Uh, and listen, even if you don't know, just choose someone at random. What yeah. difference does it make? You can't win pick, if you don't guess. Pick a Patriots quarterback. Throw it in the chat. Right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. Yeah. So. Um, um, lots of lots of lots of former Patriots quarterbacks to choose from. So lots. Um, so all right, here we go. Last last segment of the night, and then we'll get you guys the heck out of here because we've been talking forever. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's why you guys burning the midnight oil here. Yeah, that's way it's the way it goes. All right, here we go. And now for something we think you'll really like this week in sports history. All right, you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? What do you think? Uh I'll go first. All right, let's do it. All right, I, I jumped ahead a little bit here, and I, I decided to look from this Sunday for okay. the actual Patriots game for my On This Day in Sports History. And I like it. Yeah. Shifting that calendar pulled up the perfect one. I love this one. Ooh. On this day, October 22nd in 1966, Bobby Orr scored his first ever goal. And it was against the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, so good. It was against the Canadians. I love it. Yeah. I love that it was against the Canadians. Yeah. It's fantastic stuff. That's that a good one. What, around your 21st birthday, Pat? Yeah, yeah, right around. Yeah, right when I turned about 21. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Jackass. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
All right, so mine is uh, mine is a little earlier from that, a little earlier, uh, before I was born, if you can believe that. Uh, October 18th, 1930. No, I'm sorry. Ooh. That's that is incorrect. Um, yeah. October October 18th, 1930. That is true. Sorry. October 18th, 1930. Joseph Sylvester, who was a jockey. Okay. All right. Rode seven winning horses on the same day. It was All right. in bro. I, they did horse racing differently back then. It was an eight race day. Where there were horse races, obviously, there were eight different horse races. He won seven of the eight horse races in one day. This man from 1930 to 1939 had roughly, and it's not an exact number, roughly 1,500 wins. I'm sorry. Yeah, 1,500 wins in a 10 year span. <laughs> This is completely insane. Completely insane. That is wild. Yep. Yep. So, uh, yes. So, is seven winning horses on an eight race in an eight race card at Ravenna Racetrack on October eighteenth, nineteen thirty. How about that? There you go. Well, horse racing history for you. I thought that was so outrageous. I'm like seven wins in one day. How's that even possible? And so it was unclear as to whether it was on the same horse, but I do not believe it was on the same horse. Uh, I felt like they would have said if it was. I, I think um, so too. So the implication there was that it isn't. I looked up some history on it. I couldn't find if it was the same horse. I couldn't find if they were all different horses. I assume it was on seven different horses. But still, to win seven races on seven different horses in the same day, it's pretty impressive. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So there you go. So yeah. that's a long time ago, 1930, but uh, they did things a little differently back then. Uh, also, I got I, I to gotta give a shout out to Team 617 on uh, X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it. He said to me, he goes, he, this was, he said to me on Sunday after the thing, he's like, I missed the show, but he's like, I look back at all of your previous stuff. And he's like, you're wearing the this throwback hat, right? This hat, this has been my, the hat that I've been wearing. And he's like, you've been wearing that all year. And it's just maybe it's bad luck. So I switched it up. I still got the throwback hat on, but it's a different throwback hat. Um, and so if the Patriots somehow pull out an, an, an incredibly improbable victory this weekend, give you boy Pat Lane and then also Team 617 uh, a shout out for uh, for that changing the juju up. You know what I mean? I love it. So. I love it. You got to do something. We can't keep it the same. That's what I mean. That's what yeah. I mean. You know, yeah. starting over, as Bill yeah. would say. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, before you, one last thing before we get out yes. of here, I, I meant to do it before. We mentioned the injury list, and then we never actually went through who is injured right now. And I feel like we just got to read that list so the listeners oh, know Lord. Yes. who's actually hurt. Uh, after the season, I seventeen people made the injury list last week. We're up to twenty now this week. Uh, did not participate this week. Starting left tackle, Trent Brown. Starting tight end, Hunter Henry. Cornerback one, Jonathan Jones. One of your top right, one of your top guards, Riley Reef. Starting edge player, Josh Uche. Starting edge player, Keon White. All, all did not participate. And then limited, David Andrews, Christian Barmore, Cody Davis, Demario Douglas, Kyle Duggar, Trey Flowers, Devon Godshaw, Jack Jones, who's back at practice now. 
Mike Onwenu, Jabril Peppers, Juju Smith-Schuster, Ramondre Stevenson, Cole Strange, and Sean Wade. That doesn't list the guys on IR. So, yeah. It's completely wild. So they just, they're incredibly injured. The good news is Jack Jones is practicing again. So that means he's probably off the IR, uh, which is nice. So that's good to see at least whether he'll play this week or not. I don't know. But it is nice that those reinforcements are coming a little bit. In in a world where the starting offensive line on Sunday looks like Trent Brown, Cole Strange, David Andrews, Mike Awenu, and um, Connor McDermott, and if that world also includes Jack Jones being ready to play, yep, that's a world where if you get bad Josh Allen from the Bills, I think the Pats could theoretically pull an upset. I don't think it'll happen. I certainly wouldn't predict it would happen. But if it does, it's going to be because the offensive line plays like it did last year, which is kind of a wild statement to be saying that we're looking forward to that. And your defense is able to get some picks and maybe a score. Yeah. The problem with Josh Josh Allen is that he hates the Patriots. He wants so badly to beat the Patriots. And so you're not getting bad Josh Allen because he just had going two, to be two games of it in a row. Yep. He's got a laser focus. So. Exactly. This so. may be shades of the divisional round a couple of years ago, but without any of the offensive stuff, the Patriots did. Yeah. Yeah. It certainly might be. So well, let's, you, know, you never know. You never know, but I am not optimistic about the game on Sunday. So no. Sunday, um, one o'clock CBS. Yeah. Yep. I'll be there. We'll so be um, and we'll be here probably halftime of the Sunday night game again. I'm guessing. Probably that that's what I'm thinking, probably. Um, but you know, we'll see. But that's that's what I'm thinking. So um uh, and Razine's asking a question about Loki episode recap podcast. That's a great question. I started doing that on the Pat's pulpit feed. I have not been doing that um on here. However, however, I gotta talk to I wanna talk to uh to Taylor Kyles, but I would love now that he's on CLNS and I'm on CLNS, he's very busy, but he's at least here. I would love to do some sort of Marvel superhero conversation with him a little bit. Maybe not a consistent thing, but I would love to love to do that with him at some point. So bring put get the band back together a little bit, armchair superheroes, and kind of see if we can uh see if we can bang something out. But we'll see. I, I that's I haven't even talked to him about that, but that's something I've been kicking around in my head. Um, now that Loki is back and, and um, you know, and, and Gen V is awesome. And so, you know, I haven't long way I to go, gotta, but we'll see. I checked out a Marvel for like the shortest amount of time. And now I'm completely lost. I haven't really seen anything since any game and I'm so lost. I'm not, I, I do not have the time to get back into it now, unfortunately. But yeah. Yeah. Loki no, worth, I get it. Worth watching? Loki's fantastic. Loki's the best thing they've done since end game. Okay. Um, Worth so, watching Disney Plus? Yes. Yep. So that that one to me is is the one um that that is really good. And yeah, bro, you're right, man. Rosin's back from from Spotify Green Room, dude. Whew, back that? in the day, dude. It was a so back in the day, it was it used to be locker room and it was like during the Uh-oh. pandemic, and you could like just it was almost like Google, uh not Google, uh Twitter spaces. Yeah, okay. It was just an app just for that. Uh, almost like a like clubhouse, but for sports, and it was awesome. And then it eventually became Spotify Green Room, and then Spotify Green Room, you know, basically phased phased it out. And now that doesn't exist anymore. But but yeah, that was that was like pandemic times, dude. I was on there talking, and and uh, it was it was great. So I love it. 
that was a lot of fun. But anyways, all right. Anyways, we're we, now we've 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 yeah. gone we've gone down a little rabbit hole. But uh, but yes, shark. the hope the hope is that at some point we're giving you some some Marvel content too. That'd be kind of fun. So I love it. So we'll see. But anyways, all right, guys. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it, and uh, and we'll be back talking Patriots Bills outcome on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, it's not a complete disaster, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> I'm not I'm not optimistic, but you know maybe it's maybe it's not. Um, Maybe the new not. hat will change it. Hey, you never know. The new hat could, you know, could it could do it. So uh, we'll see. Maybe maybe if the old hat doesn't do that, I'll have to retire that one. It is autographed too. I should probably stop wearing it, but whatever. So, oh boy. All right. Well, anyways, that's all. That's all we got. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, and we will uh, we'll talk to you on Sunday.